0: Welcome to Treks in Sci Fi when aliens attack. Yes, we're back again. We're back. Yes, we're back. We're back. That's a different franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Al. I'm Quadshot from the forums, and I'm one of your co hosts on this ongoing journey to bring the world of Ellen Ripley to everyone. And with me, playing the role of host, is the awesome
1: Brian yes uh in space no one can hear you scream and then this time it's war and now <laughs> we're in prison That's and right. we don't know what the hell's going on <laughs> I know. so
0: on this episode we're going to cover uh we're going to continue to cover um our discussion on the alien franchise with uh, aliens 3 or alien cubed or as many people call it
1: crap (laughs) (laughs) and like i said at the end of aliens our aliens podcast my goal here will not to be to convert the the decided but to at least make the case that potentially there was a really good movie here that just got stillborn and never got made but (laughs) what are you gonna do
0: (laughs) you know that's a great way to put it stillborn yeah Yeah. it was yeah Yeah. you know i think that the tagline for this one should have been in space no one can hear you say (sniffs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> no one could hear David Finchner scream because <laughs> no one's heard a peep out of him since this movie was made, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, can, you, can you guess and why, just to, maybe? just to let the uh, listening audience know that Al and I are recording this on Saturday. Was it, June... June 9th? Yes. Today's June 9th. June 9th. And I did see Prometheus yesterday, and Al is going to go see it next week. And Mm -hmm. uh, all I can say is please, everyone who is a a fan of this franchise and of the genre in general, please go out and support the movie and and see it. You know, draw your own conclusions. And uh, Al and I will be sure to have a a rip roaring discussion about this one now, because I haven't spoken with Al at all about the film, but uh, it's going to be worthy of a a podcast. That's for sure.
0: Sounds good to me. Yep. Now, the uh, plot summary for the awesome and amazing Alien 3 is uh, it follows the events of the uh, second movie Aliens and the colonial marine spaceship Sulaco experiences an onboard fire and launches an escape pod containing Ellen Ripley pa- played by a Sigourney Weaver Newt Hicks and the damaged android Bishop who are all in cryostasis during the launch the ship's medical scans of the uh, crew cryotubes Show an alien face hugger attached to one of the crew members. We don't know who yet. The pod then crashes on Fury 161, a foundry facility and penal colony inhabited by all male inmates with quote unquote double Y chromosome uh, patterns and histories of physical and sexual violence. After some inmates recover the pod and its passengers, an alien face hugger is seen approaching the prison dog. Uh oh, poor Rufy. Ripley is taken in and awakened by Clemens, the prison doctor played by the incomparable Charles Dance, and uh, she's told that she is the only survivor of the crash. How would I get
2: here? You crash-landed in an EEV, evidently separated from your mother's ship before you hit our atmosphere. You Any idea how long you have been hypersleep? coming out the way you did can be quite a jolt to your system.
3: Yeah, I'll be sick for a couple of weeks.
2: Indeed. (sighs) Where are the others? They didn't make it. What? They didn't survive. I have to get to the ship. I have to get to the ship. You're in no condition for that. You want to get me some clothes, or should I just go like this? Given the nature of our indigenous population, I would suggest clothes."
0: Many of the ex-inmates have embraced an apocalyptic version of Christianity, and Ripley is warned by the prison warden Harold Andrews, played by Brian Glover, that her presence among them may have extremely disruptive effects. Suspicious of what caused the escape pod to jettison and what killed her companions, Ripley requests that Clemens performs an autopsy on Newt. She fears, of course, that Newt may be carrying an alien embryo in her body, though she does not share this information. Despite the protests from the warden and his assistant, Aaron, played by Ralph Brown, the autopsy is conducted. No embryo is found in Newt's body and Clemens proclaims that she simply died in the crash. Meanwhile, Ripley's unusual behavior begins to frustrate the warden and is agitating all of the prisoners. A funeral is then performed for Newt and Hicks in which their bodies are cremated in the facility's enormous furnace.
1: We commit this child and this man to your keeping, O Lord. Their bodies
3: have been taken from the shadow of our night. They have been released
0: from all darkness and pain.
1: The child and the man have gone beyond our world. They are forever eternal and everlasting. (coughs) Ashes to ashes,
0: dust to dust.
3: Why? Why are the innocent punished? Why the sacrifice? Why the pain? There aren't any promises. Nothing's certain. Only that some get called, some get saved. She won't ever know the hardship and grief for those of us left behind. We commit these bodies to the void with a glad heart. For within each seed, there is a promise of a flower. (laughs) And within each death, no matter how small, there's always a new life. A new beginning. Amen.
0: In another section of the facility, the prison dog enters convulsions and an alien bursts from its body. The alien soon begins to attack members of the colony, killing several and returning an outcast prisoner, Gallic, played by Paul McCann, to his former deranged state, To get answers, Ripley recovers and reactivates the damaged android Bishop who confirms that there was indeed an alien on the Sulaco, and it came with them to the planet in the escape pod.
2: Hey. Uh, Ripley. Hi Bishop. How are you feeling? My legs hurt. Sorry. It's okay. I'm just a glorified toaster. How are you? I like your new haircut. Bishop, can you access data on the flight recorder? No problem. I'm home.
3: Happened on the Sulaco. Why were our
2: cryotubes ejected?
3: Stasis interrupted. Fire in cryogenic compartment. Repeat, fire,
2: in cryogenic. What happened? What started the fire, Bishop? Can you hear me? The fire was electrical. It was in the subflooring. Did the sensors pick up anything moving around on the ship prior to separation? It's very dark here, Ripley. I'm not what it used to be. Just tell me, does the recorder indicate anything? Was there an alien on board? Yes. Is it on the Sulaco, or did it come with us in the EV? It was with us all the way. Does the company know? The company knows everything that happened on the ship. It all goes into the computer and gets sent back to network. And they want it? I heard. Do me a favor. Disconnect me. I could be reworked, but I'll never be top of the line again. I'd rather be nothing. You sure? Do it for me, Ripley.
0: She then informs Andrews of her previous encounters with the aliens and suggests that everyone work together to hunt it down and kill it. Andrews does not believe her story, of course, and explains that the facility, of course, again has no weapons, of course. Their only hope of protection is the rescue ship being sent for Ripley by the Wayland yutani Corporation, Dun-dun-dun. Back in the prison infirmary, while talking to Ripley about the situation, Clemens is killed by the alien, but when it is about to attack Ripley, it suddenly pauses, then retreats mysteriously sparing her life. She runs to the mess hall to warn the others, only to see the alien kill the warden. Ripley rallies the inmates and proposes they pour highly flammable toxic waste, which is stored at the facility, into the ventilation system and ignite it to flush out the creature. An explosion is caused by the creature's premature intervention, resulting in several deaths. Using the medical equipment aboard the Solaku rescue pod, Ripley scans herself and discovers the embryo of dun dun, dun an alien queen growing inside of her.
3: Hit enhancement.
2: Keep looking I don't know how to read this stuff
3: Hemorrhaging will show as a Dark patch
2: Look for Hairline fractures through the Face of the skull, little white lines. What is it? Then you've got one inside of you.
3: It's not possible. What does it look like?
2: You don't want to look at it. Freeze it.
0: She also finds that the corporation truly wants the queen embryo and the adult alien hoping to turn them into biological weapons. Deducing that the mature alien will not kill her because of the embryo she carries, Ripley begs Dylan, played by Charles S. Dutton, the religious leader of the inmates, to kill her. He agrees to do so only if she helps the inmates kill the adult creature first. They form a plan to lure it into the foundry's molding facility and drown it in molten lead by trapping it in a series of closing doors. The bait and chase style plan results in the death of Dylan and all the remaining prisoners except Morse, played by Danny Webb, who pours the lead. The alien, covered in molten metal, escapes the mold and is killed by Ripley when she turns on the fire sprinklers and sprays the beast with water, causing its exoskeleton to cool rapidly and shatter via thermal shock. While Ripley battles the alien, the Weyland-Yutani team arrives, including a man named Michael Bishop who looks identical to the Bishop android, claiming to be the android's creator. He tries to persuade Ripley to undergo surgery to remove the queen embryo, which he claims will be destroyed. Ripley refuses and steps back onto the mobile platform, which Morse positions over the furnace. The company men shoot Morse in the leg and Aaron picks up a large wrench and strikes Bishop over the head with it. Aaron is shot dead and Bishop and his men show their true intentions, begging Ripley to let them have the magnificent specimen. Ripley defines them by throwing herself into the gigantic furnace just as the alien queen begins to erupt from her chest. As she dies from the wound, Ripley grabs the creature, holding onto it as she falls into the fire. The film ends with a sequence showing the facility being closed down, the last surviving inmate, Morris, being led away, and a shot of the Sulaco escape pod as the sound recording of Ripley's final lines from the original Alien film is heard.
3: Ash. I should reach the frontier in about six weeks. With a little luck, the network will pick me up. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nestrama. Signing off.
0: Well the cast was uh kind of a hodgepodge of what the you know what? <laughs> On the, who are these people? Who are these people, yeah. Um, of course, reprising her role as Ellen Ripley was Sigourney Weaver. And uh, Charles S. Dutton played Dylan, the uh, religious prison leader. Now, Charles was most famous for a sitcom that he did, I think, I think it was back in the 90s, uh, And I don't even remember. That's how wonderful it was.
1: You know, I totally forgot about that. That's right. The only Mm -hmm. thing
0: I remember about it was that he was a a trash collector. So (laughs) (laughs) that should tell you a lot about how memorable it was. Um, And uh, uh, Charles Dance, uh, who everybody should know from from Game of Thrones as um, one of the evil guys there well he's kind of evil
1: but dude he, i know i don't i don't i don't watch game of thrones because we don't have hbo i had no idea oh, he was in that and, yeah. he, he, and he's terrific i mean he, he him and dutton really are are remarkable and it's a shame that dance doesn't you know i, I thought dance was terrific in this movie oh, so that's, yeah. that's cool i'm i'm that intrigues me to see game of thrones even more oh
0: yeah he plays he plays the uh, lannister uh, the head of the lannister family gotcha uh, but he played jonathan clemens a, a former inmate who now serves as the facilities doctor Brian Glover played Harold Andrews, the prison warden, and Ralph Brown as Aaron, the assistant of the uh, superintendent Andrews. Now, Ralph- 85. Yeah, 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 and yeah, 85, <laughs> his IQ. Um, a lot of people might remember Ralph from Wayne's World 2. No. Yeah, he was the, he was the old pro roadie that trained them.
1: Oh my God, that's so funny. I, I haven't know. seen that movie in ages. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a class.
0: That deserves a, a definite uh, nod, too uh paul mcgann played gollick or gollick Golic. or Golic? gollum it's, it's Golic.
1: It. you know it's a it's a role it's a it's a character that um which we'll get into when we talk about the movie that you know there was a much bigger role uh in finchner's original vision for the movie that got completely edited out for the theatrical release um it's a, it's it will it'll be interesting to talk about oh, paul's yeah. reaction to that and how that all sort of came to be
0: yeah pretty cool and uh, danny webb played morse lance hendrick's uh, i'm sorry lance hendrickson uh was the android bishop and the uh, creator michael bishop who uh was kind of a small role really <laughs>
1: yeah just a little walk on and, and he did i guess he had to sit and do the uh, prosthetics for the scene where ripley talks to bishop um, after she plugs him in and takes him off the garbage tip
0: which i have to admit was a fairly well done
1: scene For the time, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, that you you go back and you compare that to what they did with Ash and Ian Holm back in Alien, and uh, whereas that was Ian's actual head, and there was only a brief shot of a prosthetic head that looked like crap, Mm -hmm. um, this was all prosthetic and mechanical and did look good. They pulled it off.
0: I have to admit, the best special effects in the whole movie, but we'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Tom uh, Tom Woodruff Jr. had an uncredited role as the Alien.
1: Yeah, and It's curious that he gets gets a credit here on the Wikipedia. I was like, I was like, huh, oh, that's interesting. Because I mean, and when you think about it, though, I mean, the alien does get a, a decent amount of play here in terms of you see it quite a bit, you, and then you don't see it because the 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 optical effects they did <sighs> for this movie were so bad. But yeah, and uh but he, you know, it's interesting that they give him uh, they give him a credit here because he, I don't remember. Well, I guess, no, I guess they gave Bicho a had uh, mm-hmm. a credit as well. Yeah, so they did. They did. So that makes sense.
0: Yeah, Um and. uh Peter Guinness played Gregor, Gregor, one of the uh, inmates who attempts to rape Ripley. He's bitten in the neck and killed by the alien during the bait and uh, chase sequence. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only. Well, there was uh, Peter. What is what's his name? And uh, whistle or oh. uh,
1: Postlewaite? Yeah, Postlewaite. Yeah. Postlewaite. Is David? Yeah.
0: Is yeah. I mean, he. It was kind of funny because I'm not sure if at the time he was is well known as he is now but
1: uh what's he known for now
0: uh he was in jurassic park Uh, he was in jurassic park 2 you know he was the hunter and uh, oh
1: right oh my gosh Uh, you see now and here's one of the issues with this film all of these cats look alike. You know, it's like shaved <laughs> head dude number four. You know, I'm reading down this list, going like, for example, uh, Morris. Right. He's he's my favorite inmate, one of my favorite inmates by far. I think he's hysterical in this movie, mm-hmm. and, and and he he's got he has definitely some of the best lines that may always make me laugh. But I didn't even realize his name was Morris. Yeah. I mean, I to- you totally sort of missed this, and I've watched this movie so many times, and I didn't realize that Guinness that Gregor was the inmate who tried to rape Ripley. Um, it's just it's just I'm reading this, going, oh, that's what these guys names are yeah, I know I
0: know it it was eh, you know maybe
1: but maybe that speaks to the movie that you know I was I'm able to, I watch it and you know I didn't even know and and maybe that's the problem they probably it's a problem that people just weren't able to to tell the accents are all very heavy British accents from all over the, all over all over England so they're all they vary and they're tough to they're tough for people to understand sometimes in in america and these guys just sort of blend in together except they for do. dutton who's the big black dude you know i mean it's that's obvious but
0: <laughs> yeah he was the uh token glassware because <laughs> yeah. i don't think anybody else wore glasses in
1: that those glasses are awesome he I mean, he, he he has them on top of his head sometimes yeah. and it's just like i don't know he made it he made it really part of his character it's he did. he
0: made yeah. it work for him so mm-hmm. yeah so that's the uh the memorable cast from the memorable alien cubed
1: Yes, so they assembled all these wonderful people, but how did this all come about? Well,
0: Well, somebody lost a bet, I think.
1: Well you can say that again. (laughs) You know, you'd think think coming off of Aliens that um, 20th Century Fox and um, David Geiler and Walter Hill, their producers – would, you know, they, 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 knew, they knew they had, you know, a, a franchise here. And they're, they're in, they had every intention of continuing this on forward. In fact, at the end of Aliens, they went into development, and their goal at the time was to actually develop Alien 3 and Alien 4 consecutively. So, you know, they decided that once, you know, they, they, they went back and forth the studio, but they settled upon a complex two-part story that offered the underhanded Wayland Utini Corporation facing off with a military aggressive culture of humans whose rigid socialist ideology has caused them to separate from Earth society. So that was the initial concept they were pitching to 20th Century Fox coming out.
0: That sounds like a wonderful concept, too. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it, it was going to be big. And so Sigourney Weaver you know, was, was, was obviously approached, and they, they wanted her in the film, but only in, in a relatively small cameo appearance. Um, and this movie was going to be all about Hicks. This, the, the, the entire franchise at that point was going to be turned over to Michael Bean's character, and it was going to be more about him. So the first movie would be, would be Ripley makes this little cameo appearance in the first film, and then the lead role goes to, goes to Michael Bean, and then Alien 4 would see the return of Ripley in an epic battle with the aliens, warriors en masse, and these expatriated earthlings. Um, and Sigourney Weaver, you know, she was not happy at the end of Aliens. Um, she liked the film, she loved working with Cameron. She was very disappointed in the studio's decisions on editing, especially the scene of her and her daughter, and obviously all of the ancillary scenes within the film that, in, that had her interacting with Newt, establishing that mother-daughter relationship. She, uh, so she wasn't really thrilled with that, but you know, they approached her and she agreed. She liked the idea of doing a smaller cameo kind of role. Um, she felt that Ripley was going to be too big of a burden to the story, and there are only so many aspects of the character you can do. So she was kind of like, okay, to, to step back. Um so here's the, so this is the idea that they that they're going to start they want to start moving ahead head with um, so you know they they did approach Ridley Scott to direct um he was busy at the time although he was interested you know I, there wasn't there wasn't bad blood between um, Hill and Geiler and Scott because Cameron stepped in to do Aliens um, but uh, Ridley could not do it so uh, so now we're in, in September of 1987 they've got this concept they start to put a uh, screen a screenplay together, um, and uh, they put it together, and they go to, to Joe Roth, who's the Fox president at the time, and he hates it. He hates this, this idea, and I'll give you a, a brief synops- a synopsis of what this script was that uh, was done by a guy named William Gibson. He hated it. His comment was Sigourney Weaver is the centerpiece of the series, and Ripley was was really the only female warrior we have in our movie mythology. He wanted her back. So so Hill and Guyler are like, oh crap, you know, we just spent all this time trying to think of a of a concept where we could move away from the Ripley character and make and make you know make continue with the action adventure side of this story. And now all of a sudden Joe Roth at Studio Head saying, Nope, no, I'm not paying for that party. I want, I want her. She needs to be in it. So, all right, so this initial script, this William Gibson treatment, um, you know, he he writes the story about basically, let me see if I can just if I can paraphrase it as much as best I can. <laughs> so basically, um the idea here is um, and and you can this is actually available on the internet that uh the version the version the version available on the internet is according to Gibson about 30 pages shorter than the version I turned in. It became the first of some of 30 drafts by a great many screenwriters. None of mine was used, except for the idea of the barcode tattoo in the back of their head. Uh-huh. So in his treatment, he has he has all of the things that people want in an alien movie. Chest bursters erupt out of human hosts. Um, they're, they are they these bigger, meaner alien warriors. He was, he was trying to he was trying to really ramp up what aliens had done and, and make it bigger. Um, he came up with this idea that the Sulaco would end up at this space station called Anchor Point and there would be these, these, these people there called the Union of Progressive Peoples um, and they, go, they all come into conflict and at the same time there are aliens running around and there's, there's a mutation to the alien life cycle where you can get infected by, through the air via like a spore or a virus that the aliens carry that would cause people to turn into aliens. Um, so there's, a, there's a lot going away. Bishop has brought, Lance Henriksen's character is brought back, Bishop's put, put back together. Um, and the, co- the company's involved, Wayland Utini, you know, kind of runs this, this operation. And so there was a tr- tremendous amount of conflict and it was going to be a real bang-up action movie. Um, It was going to have tons of battles between the aliens and the Marines. Um, Rennie Harlan was brought in initially to take a look at this and and see if he would be interested in directing it. Um, And uh, I'm not quite sure what he felt about this this initial treatment and screenplay idea, but um, he eventually did... Give up waiting for them to get this thing sorted out and went off and made Die Hard too. <laughs> so yeah, so there you go. All right, so you know, so at the end, of, so you know, they they come up with this idea and it's big. This is going to be, you know, this is two movies. It's going to be a big deal. Um, they so they they realize that they may need to scale this down um, because now they they're, they're going to have to rewrite it. The, the Gibson was was wasn't happy with the the what the rewrites that were occurring to his initial premise about this movie. So anyway. Another guy comes in, this guy named Eric Red. He comes in with this idea of a prison planet. So a lot of his ideas sort of become the genesis of what Alien 3 is going to eventually sort of turn into. Um, he comes up with – oh, no, excuse me. I'm sorry. Eric, Eric Red didn't come up with a prison planet. He came up with the idea of bringing aliens to Earth. He wanted the mission the, – the, everyone to come back and the, basically it was going to be a small town where aliens – land and invade it almost sounds like alien versus predator almost no kidding you know, the first one so um this was the, the screenplay that rennie harlan didn't like he, he i think he was okay with the first one he did not like this one and he that's when he walked out on the project to go to die hard too so now they they bring in a third screenwriter a guy named david twowy t-w-o-h-y twowy um <laughs> now he comes he comes up with the idea of, of the prison planet he has this idea of uh of a planet where you know there are these death row inmates and the company is doing biological warfare experiments on them and they can bring the aliens in a lot of his screenplay sounds like alien resurrection in fact there was there's a, it was the first script to feature a, a number of different alien types and it fleshed out the idea of a newborn alien which obviously comes into into play in resurrection and the script had scenes where victims are sucked piecemeal through a small rupture in the hull. Sounds just like what happened to the mm-hmm. newborn in alien resurrection. Anyway, so they come up with this script and this treatment, and this one nobody wants to do. So now we're, you know, we're, we're, we're moving on here. And you know, the, the what should be the easiest thing in the world. Another alien movie is turning into this big cluster. Nobody knows, you know, which direction they want to take this thing. A guy named Vincent Ward steps in at this point and he – and this is really interesting because a lot of this uh, – everything else I've talked about really isn't discussed much on the um, bonus DVDs. This guy's work though is because apparently his his concept a lot of people feel is like one of the greatest science fiction movies never made. His, <laughs> his concept was, is, is the wooden monastery concept. So he has this, this – and I'm like, I won't read through it but he has this vision that Ripley – you know her escape pod. So something, something happens to the Salako, and Ripley is and Ripley ejects, and she lands on a space station that is entirely comprised of wood. I'm not crapping you, <laughs> okay? A wooden space station okay. that is habited by monks. Okay, these these they're like Luddite type monks who have forsaken all technology um, except for obviously whatever keeps them alive on the on this station. But everything is very natural. It's made of wood and she comes in an alien arrives with her and uh and it's it's crazy i mean it's 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 you got to read read this this treatment it's just it's it's a remarkable thing and what was really interesting is that this was going to be the movie. I oh mean, my this, gosh. this was literally going to be the movie. I'll give you a, give you a little a brief taste. The story begins with a monk who sees a star in the east, Ripley's escape pod, and at first he believes this to be a good sign. Upon arrival of Ripley and with increasing suggestions of the alien presence, the monk inhabitants believe it to be some sort of religious trial for their misdemeanors punishable by the creature that haunts them. By having a woman in their monastery, they wonder if their trial is partially caused by sexual temptation, as Ripley is the only woman to be amongst all an all-male community uh, community in 10 years. So again, so you could see they pulled pieces of this out of, and to put it into, into Alien 3. Uh-huh. To avoid this, uh, and hopefully the much grimmer reality of what she has brought with her, the monks of the wooden satellite lock Ripley up into a dungeon, like sewer, ignore her advice on the true nature of the beast. So again, besides... Fiorina, the Fury, you know, the planet that, that they end up on, this is kind of very similar. They're not monks, they're prisoners, but they do have this religious, you know, bias and they also are very much against, or have, a, have a hatred towards women. Um, so anyway, and so, and so the, you know, the, the movie progresses and Ripley has to go through all the soul searching because she brought the alien with her. And um, it's just, it's fascinating to, to sort of look at it and read and what's great about the, on the DVDs for the making of alien three is they they did a tremendous amount of storyboard work for this so you can see what the con the concepts were what this thing was going to kind of look like and it was it was something but at the end of the day it was going to be a hundred million dollar picture at the time it was this was not the budget that 20th century fox was even remotely interested in doing but um they did get pretty far down the road before they realized that this they just couldn't make this movie so now Walter Hill and David Geiler step back into the process as executive producers, and they, they start rewriting the whole thing all over again at this point. And they, they pull a lot of what, of what this guy, you know, what Vincent Ward had, had created, and they also pulled from those, these other uh, screenplays that I mentioned earlier to basically cobble together what would be the final screenplay for Alien 3. Ooh. So. I know it was. It, it was just. A, it's and, and another thing that they did that was just. And you hear about this on the DVD. Is they, they basically the studio established a release date for this movie they just they said oh, and they even advertised it. i don't recall seeing this to be quite honest but apparently there were teaser trailers in front of films at the time you know and at the time being i think maybe in 89 or or maybe even 1990 a year before the movie came out saying you know alien 3 coming 1991 i mean it was or you know winter 1991 They they had they were so committed to this so Really what we what we have here is is studio hubris and arrogance towards, you know, this this property thinking, well, we're just going to get this done no matter what. And then a creative team, an element that was desperately trying to put together a, a good product and something that was going to be, you know, worthwhile making that – and then it, it, who were given no time and a limited budget and it was in, – in no, and you had no director, you had no script. I mean it was just – it was just bad from the beginning. This, this film was just cursed from the absolute from, – from 1987 when Aliens closed in theaters to 1992 when this movie eventually – or 91 when this movie eventually came out. It was actually – yeah, they started shooting – it. no, they didn't come out until 92. They started shooting in 91 in January and it was just a mess. So they got this script so david hill and guy and walter hill and david guyler had discovered ridley scott and james cameron i mean you think about it they took those two guys took a chance on cameron cameron who was a real unknown except for um the first terminator ridley scott you know who who at that time had really not done much of anything except for the the duelist and you know that uh, a couple of smaller films and what do they do they come across a guy named david finchner now David Fincher at the time was basically a guy known for making commercials for Nike. I mean, literally, and
0: which he sort have stuck to. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, he's he's gone on to make some really cool stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, things like um, oh, what's that movie? Um, Seven. That's um, yeah, oh, Seven. Yeah, Seven. Oh yeah. God, that movie's that movie's yeah. disturbing. But anyway, he you know he was a well very well regarded commercial artist, um, a director, and young guy too. I mean, I think he was all twenty seven or something. And um, they go to him, and you know, and, and, and Fincher's friends told him, you're effing nuts <laughs> if, you, if you do this because the, the, you, you don't know what you're getting into taking on not only a big studio picture but a, a, a tentpole franchise picture, and it's a sequel. I mean, it's, it, it, you would think as, as a director that's probably the last thing you wanted to do, but David Finchner Was a fan he thought alien was probably one of the top 10 greatest films ever made
0: yeah but you know i'm a fan of women that doesn't mean i want to be one (laughs) come on he should have really
1: thought he he felt he felt and and, and 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 it's very difficult to understand what was going through david fincher's mind because he was completely unwilling to participate in any of the uh, extra features on the DVD release uh, for over, over the years and he's never ever sat down to do a director commentary or anything like that um, so there and, and even some interviews that I read recently with him he still has a tremendous amount about about a bad blood towards this production and towards the unfortunately towards the movie because the movie that was shown in theaters wasn't the movie he wanted. And, and he didn't go so far as to, to remove his ass, to have his name removed from it. But, um, he, he would definitely, you know, he made a mistake. You're right. He, he made a mistake of being, of being so enthusiastic and loving the material so much that he felt that, you know, he really wanted to do it justice. And unfortunately he stepped in front of a studio machine that just wanted a product put out. Um, uh, you know, and so he, you know, there's a, there's a quote here that he said that, you know, he said, he said he, he, was, he said he called it a baptism by fire. He said for, you know, for years he'd been around the kind of people who finance movies and the kind of people who were there to make the deals for movies. But he always had this naive idea that everybody wants to make movies as good as they can be, which is stupid. Mm -hmm. So I learned. This is a quote from him. So I learned on this movie that nobody really knows. So therefore, no one has to care. So it's always going to be your fault. I'd always thought, well, surely they don't want to have the 20th Century Fox logo over a shitty movie. And they were like, (laughs) well, as long as it opens. So I mean, it it literally, it it, that literally was the attitude towards this. So, so Fincher, you know, Fincher steps in here, and uh, and you know, he has. He has an opportunity to work on the script, and he does. Um, they're gonna they're gonna go with the prison setting. They're gonna go with the the religious aspects. Um, Sigourney Weaver found enough about what she was reading and that she liked, and so she decided to come on board. Again, big paycheck and an executive producer credit this yeah, time. Yeah, Sigourney. So, so she comes on board. Um, the start date was pushed back to January 14th, 1991. Um, and for the two months prior to they started filming, it was basically just a battle royale over the sets, cost, you know, how much to spend, whatever. Um, because the schedule was getting tight, the shooting schedule was was chopped from 93 days down to 70. Uh, Fincher would only get 25 special effects shots, less than half of what aliens had. Um, and uh, so they went to London and they went to the uh, the classic 007 James Bond um, Studios in Pinewood there mm-hmm. and, built, and built these – Amazing sets. I mean, I think one thing even people who are critical of the film could agree on is that visually, from an art direction standpoint, the movie looks remarkable. I mean, it does. Yeah, the 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 the, the prison itself, the the way it looks, the way it was shot, it definitely is 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 eye candy in terms of wow. They really they really worked hard to make this look good. Um I think you know, I think we could definitely give them that. We can give them, we can definitely give them that, you know, that that nod that they they'd made the film actually look visually stunning. And it does look, it looks like it's, it could be part of the alien universe. It is very bleak obviously. It is very um, you know, nihilistic. It's, you know, it's not it's just, there's nothing happy in this movie. There's no ray of sunshine there is except at the very end. There's nothing, you know, I- even remotely that you can grab onto that's 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 positive. It's very depressing. Um, you know, I wonder sometimes in in reading all of this about how the, the shoot went down. The shoot itself actually w- wasn't so bad. I mean, at the end, I mean, there were people who were who were obviously kind of pissed off. I mean, uh, Rennie Harlan walked out obviously as as the director. You know, who was the most mad was Michael Bean. Michael Bean finds out that they're going ahead with Alien Three, and guess who ain't in it? Well, they
0: didn't <laughs> even use his picture. If you notice, picture
1: because yeah. he, you know, how much he asked for so much money for the use of his image that they and the, and the studio was playing hardball with them about the whole thing at the end of the day though they did pay him and he actually earned more for having for for having that image on that screen or on the screen of Hicks that comes up. Then he was actually paid for aliens, which is I mean, it's just like. But you, there's an interview with Michael Bean on the DVD, and it is hysterical. Michael Bean holds pulls no punches, and he is and he he swears like a like a longshoreman. Mm-hmm. He is so funny because he's just he's just like what the hell. I mean, he just literally is going going nuts over this thing. So, anyway, so getting back to the to the production. So they all they all gather in in London, and you know, basically, this is just a classic. You have a guy who is a perfectionist trying to make everything look absolutely spot on perfect. And you have a studio who is, you know, is concerned about the timing and about the costs. And it just goes back and forth, back and forth on this. And at the end of the day, they they get he gets as much as he can i mean and there there are stories about fights on the set between fincher and the and the executives from fox where you know, these guys are coming in and you know and saying, okay, you you can get half of that, and you can get this and you can get that. And meanwhile, Fincher's Fincher, you know, is trying to make a movie that he, even he admits was is is literally for him and his eight friends who love this the this franchise. <laughs> it had to be it, it it had to be not for the person who's gonna see this movie once, but the first person who's gonna see this movie multiple times. So every shot, every image had to be perfect mm-hmm. so again you here's a conflict of of culture where you have a well-meaning guy with an art with a vision he's trying to bring to film on a, a with a property he really loves versus a studio that is convinced that david Fincher and this this he was told this he said you could have someone walk out pee on a wall call it an alien movie and it'll be profitable. I mean, literally that's, (laughs) that was their attitude about it. Well, if that's
0: the case, I've made a lot of alien movies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So, you know, that's, that's basically the backstory of what happened with this movie. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot I, I could talk about in terms of the shooting, the shooting of the film actually, I guess, wasn't too bad. I mean, Everything was once they got got it going Sigourney Weaver was very much engaged with the project she really she was enjoying working with Finchner um, but you know it just it, it it just things were just building to a head as time became compressed money became compressed and eventually 20th Century Fox pulled the plug literally as they were trying to finish the movie 20th Century Fox walked in pulled the plug on the entire film and said everyone's going back to LA okay <laughs> So Finchner is flown back to LA. They do he spends a couple of weeks uh basically putting together a a cut of the movie to show the Fox executives. It's like 3 hours long and it's got a lot of problems. I mean, and everyone even Finchner I think knows it has problems. I mean, it's not what he wanted. He had a skip here. He, he the story is not is not being told the way he wanted. So you know they go back and forth. There are huge fights over the ending because there was there were very different ideas about how the ending of the of the movie should go. And I think that we can all agree at the end of the day it was incredibly unsatisfying. Yes, which is poor. I mean, and yet this was the best. They this is this is what they came up with. You know, they had to rebuild sets in order to do tons of reshoots when they were back in L.A. Um, So basically. This took over, you know, what was supposed to be, you know, a, a short shooting schedule and editing, and then effects and music, whatever, turns into this multi-year project, which is why it basically took so long for, you know, for this movie to come out. Um, the critical reception from the film was mixed. Um, generally, it was unfavorable. Um, a number of the cast and crew associated with with the film, like I said, including Michael Bean, James Cameron. James Cameron was irate that they killed off Newt. And Hicks I mean he was just like what the hell he was like he, he, he thought it was just like a slap in the face that he created this family unit between Ripley Hicks and new not that they were going to become a family and live happy, happily ever after but that's the that conception that's what he put together and then you know and then they they totally just blow that apart so he wasn't happy about it and so I mean and, and obviously from a box office standpoint it didn't do didn't do so great in fact do you have the box office on no office? no
0: I, I I do um, oh,
1: here we go. It, it grew. The film's considered a flop in North America with a right. total of fifty-five point four million, although it grossed one hundred and four point three internationally. Apparently, this movie is very big in Europe. <laughs> for well, know. there's
0: no accounting for taste in no, Europe. I there's guess there's a lot
1: of Brits, I mean, the Brits like it because they they know they know a lot of these guys. In fact, um, well, they can understand what they're saying. That's why. <laughs> well, you talk about we talk about like Brian Glover as Andrews, the warden. He's apparently a very well-known British actor. So I mean, I, oh I yeah, him. I've seen him in a lot of things see again I, I, I wasn't able to place them from anything yeah. else but anyway, so that's that's kind of the the ugly tale of the production of Alien 3 and it really it was it was it was grim. It was not a happy time. I mean there's some you read some of these comments and there was some there were some phone calls back and forth where were either Walter Hill or David Geiler – Um, Said about their director Finchner, Why would we listen to him? He's a effing shoe salesman. I mean, like (laughs) this is like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And I'm sure it happened. I'm sure there's plenty of conflict on plenty of movies that turn out just fine. But boy, this this definitely had was rife with problems. So
0: yeah, and and the reason that you hear about the problems is because the film was so unsuccessful. If it was a successful film, you know, all that negative nobody would hear.
1: Yeah, you've never you have never seen so much tap dancing, finger pointing, (laughs) equivocating. But but when you watch the special features DVD, there are just people like, "Hey, all I know is I was you know this is what we were doing." And at the end of the day, it's most most of them are trying to be very political about it and and being you know generous to each other in terms of their comments. But you just clearly get that there was a tremendous amount of animosity you know going on here. Um, The the crew, the, the the crew the cast rather, they really you know it was a tough shoot but they they actually had a fairly positive experience from what I understand from things that Charles Dutton has talked about mm-hmm. and um, you know we we mentioned uh, Paul McGann as, uh, as Goic. you know again, his role was severely changed and, I, and and now that you know we've gone through this let's let's move into the movie itself because I think I think, as I said you before we started recording, I think you know this is a movie where you know when we did Alien and Aliens, everybody loves the films, everyone knows the films intimately and Talking about their how they were made, how they came to be was kind of interesting as opposed to just saying, oh, that scene was so great, it was so great. When, Of course, it's all cool. This movie, not so much, though. And you and I, I think, have have recently just watched two di- the two different versions of this oh. film that are currently available, the theatrical release and what they call the assembly cut. Not to be confused with the director's edition because Finchner had nothing to do with the assembly cut. Um, it was simply an effort by a couple of people to try – and take the footage that had been completed and was usable to tell the story more along the lines of what they thought Finchner was trying to accomplish. Um, and I'd be curious, I mean, it'd be interesting to talk about the differences between them as we go through the movie mm-hmm. for a little bit here. And, and um, so, initially, you know, first of all, t- let me hear you. what is your reaction to this movie in general?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can sum it up, I can, I can literally sum it up in one word,
1: and that is crap. Mm-hmm. i mean what, i was just what about it dude really what, what just what just makes you just angry watching this one?
0: Oh my gosh i i don't even know where to start dude um i just uh i i didn't like it i the story i thought was just it it had potential and i think that's probably where my frustration comes in because you you could see the story and you could see that the story just keeps trying but mm-hmm. they keep blowing it mm-hmm. everywhere um there were some inconsistencies incons- like with, with Ripley's character uh, where she's chatting with the doctor and then all of a sudden she starts putting the move on him and she sleeps with him. It's like, where the heck did that come from? Yeah, And yeah. why? What purpose did that serve except for the gratuitous uh, at least innuendo of sex mm. to sell the movie? Well, it wasn't and,
1: innuendo. I mean, they had sex. I mean, well, it's I mean, clear. They,
0: oh, yeah, I guess they did show it. Yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just didn't think it was... No, I'm not a prude, but I just didn't think <laughs> that that served the purpose of the plot at all. The...
1: Yeah, what about the inmates? What about that whole well, dynamic? I, I thought
0: it was okay. I mean, you, you could see where... You know, a bunch of hardcore um, uh, prisoners, hardcore criminals being, you know, put away on a different planet, how they would come up with that little uh, religious society that they yeah. have. I mean, uh-huh. that makes sense. And I thought for the most part they worked. But, you know, like we had discussed earlier, uh, all the prisoners kind of blended in together. They sounded the same. They looked the same. They didn't really have their own identities. Yeah. They didn't build up anything for us. So we weren't really... We didn't get to really know any of the characters. We didn't even really get to know Charles Dutton's character that well. Right. I mean, he's just there. Um, And, oh my gosh, the, the, the speech by Dylan... Um, at towards the end of the movie, made no mm-hmm. sense to me. It made no sense. He's trying to get everybody fired up, and he, right. nobody ever gave me nothing. nothing.
1: What see, the heck? That's so funny because I think that I think that's awesome. When he sits there and, and says, "Nobody ever gave me nothing. How do you want to go out? On your feet or on your knees?" I ain't much for begging. See, I love. I thought that was one of the great moments in the movie. That so it's so interesting that you had such a, such a different reaction to that.
0: Well, I I liked. You know, the, I like the um, the tone of the speech. I, I liked parts of it where he did say that, you know, how do you want to go out? You're all going to die anyway here, but do you want to go out fighting this thing, or do you want to just go out on your knees and let it kill you? But I just didn't understand that nobody gave me nothing. I, I, so what? <laughs> what does that yeah. have to do with killing this alien? Right. You know, fire yeah, me yeah. up.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. It, it's uh, well, I think I think some of these things obviously are are addressed in, in the two different versions of the movies we saw. So, at the, let's talk about the beginning of the movie in, okay. in the version you saw. How does it uh, remind me how how the theatrical starts with basically um, they discover her life pod, right? Oh no, it starts on the Sulaco, right? And there's an and there's a face running around, right?
0: No, they don't they don't actually show that. What they, they show? don't. No, they open it up and uh, you see this a pod. That's just opened, and the pod looks ridiculous to me. I mean, uh, it, it doesn't look like the alien egg sac. It looks more like a a tulip <laughs> opening. <laughs> and then they did a lot of blasts clips, you know. Okay. And they did okay. way too many of them.
1: So basically, they show the Sulaco catching on fire, basically, right? And right. the okay, and then, and then she gets dropped into the tube. Okay, yeah. In the in the assembly cut, there, you they they show a face hugger running around. It's it's it sprays acid on 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 one of these stasis tubes. So you get the idea that it sneaks in somehow. And so they at least establish that there's an like someone is impregnated here by a face hugger. Mm-hmm. Um, And then they show Ripley being dropped in the tube. So once then once down onto onto the planet, it's the, the image discover the pod, right? Washed up on the beach.
0: Um, we don't know if it's washed up in the piece what they show is is that the pod hits the water and then it's a cut scene you see the inmates opening up the pod and they're looking to um salvage it and then you notice you know all the dead people except for her yeah.
1: okay yeah in in and so in the assembly cut they have this massive outdoor vista set a scene and they have a, they have a set that they built with giant cranes and stuff and um Dylan, uh, Charles, uh, Charles uh, Dunn's character, Dylan, uh, is uh, excuse me, Charles Dance's co- character, Clemens, is out walking. Basically, and it's windy and it's very moody. and it, it really does a great job in sort of setting the setting the tone for the film in terms of the darkness and the bleakness. And he basically walks. He, he stumbles upon. Ripley lying on the beach, covered in like black black oil or something. It's very it's very odd because it's like, well, how in the hell did she get there if she was in the life pod? But he scoops her up and he. There's a shot of him running across uh, across the surface and coming into the into the facility and you know treating her. And then they all the inmates gather around and they get a team of oxen to go out there and pull. I guess, the life pod, which they found. they don't show that, but the, a team of oxen go out there and pull the life pod out, and then they and then they get inside to where you are. So there's this whole five minutes literally of this additional stuff going on on um, um, outside that that you know, superfluous, does it need to be there? No, but it certainly does give you a sense that. This is this world. It gives you an idea of this world a little bit more. It gives you a, a sense of the world, and that you know that the discovery of Ripley, you know, has an immediate like a lightning bolt impact upon the the facility and the and the people and the prisoners and everything. Um, so that's interesting. So, so then yeah. So they get her. They get her in. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to think of there. There's a. a I'm trying to remember how the. Uh, how our two versions differ because there's a, a list oh here we go. So because there's thirty minutes of additional f- footage in the one that I saw. So the Okay, so let's just so we have the whole all the stuff with Ripley basically, you know, finding out what's going on, finding out that Newton, um, Hicks have died. How'd you what did you feel about that? What did you think about the, the the fact that they that, you know, we start off the movie and it, it just it already sucks ass for Ripley. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well <laughs> that's a good one i mean i can uh, i kind of appreciated it just a little bit because it it does kind of lend to the to the whole disparity of you know the despair that ripley always has experienced since the whole thing ripley's pathos yeah (laughs) right yeah i mean it's it sucked because i did like hicks i wasn't like totally in love with uh newt that much but Uh um
1: she screamed a lot. Yeah, she screamed a lot. She <laughs> screamed way too much. Uh,
0: but um, you know, I didn't I, I just didn't like the way they kind of went out unceremoniously, just, you know, killed in the um in, in the crash. Now, I did like the way, you know, they kind of built it up to where it was possible that that Newt died from an explosion from the
1: well, see, that's the thing. So she, that- she, she drowned. Yeah, she drowned. What, right. Yeah, that's that's what that's what that's a, that's common to both cuts is that she she drowned. Right. Um, and apparently there was a very, very graphic uh, autopsy scene. And I think the autopsy scene that was actually in the film is kind of disturbing. I mean, yeah. when he takes that knife and he, he he like he cuts into her chest bone to open up her chest. I mean. That's Newt. I mean, it's a little girl, you know? And yeah. it's like, oh, boy, this is this is where they're going with this movie.
0: And I did love the way Charles Dance um, did it. I mean, he was just so nonchalant. Like, uh, she's telling him, cut open the chest. He's like, mm, okay, and just rips <laughs> open the chest.
1: He is, but what he also is is he's. You see the wheels turning, going. What is going on? Why is you know clearly why? What are we looking for here? Why is this? Why is she asking me to do this? What is she afraid of? Um, and so that you know, it it helps establish him as a character. Obviously, that we're beginning to understand is much more sophisticated than pretty much everyone else around him. You know that every, the inmates, and, and and again in the in the assembly cut, there at some point in here there are more scenes of the inmates engaging in this religious practice so you at least have an opportunity to understand a little bit more about them and that that you get the the religious aspects and you also get a chance to see um charles dunn as dylan being their spiritual leader and and so you're that that doesn't that you, you're more willing to accept it i think watching the assembly cut because it's like you get a little more you get a little more um um it, it establishes it better you know it's uh, you get a little more exposition on that
0: mm-hmm. which is where the the normal cut just completely lacks i mean it, yeah there yeah. are so many holes in it like you know they are setting him well they don't actually even set Dylan up in, until a ways into the movie so you don't really know anything about him then he's right. brought in the scene and it's like you're supposed to accept him as this religious leader but we've done nothing to establish his character
1: yeah and 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 again it, you know the I've, I, he, I, Charles Dunn is is phenom- I think he's phenomenal in this movie. I think he's terrific. Mm-hmm. And but you're right, he gets so shortchanged in the theatrical cut that you don't get a chance to really appreciate that. I, and and I think that's definitely to the to the film's detriment. We're just kind of like, well, you know, you no you don't you don't you don't get that sort of connection with him as being a spiritual leader. And what I love, I love the scene in when Ripley comes into the dining room for the first time, and she's brave enough to sit down. And she, and you know, he just looking at her, shaking his head. And you know, she's like, "Thank you for what you said at, at the funeral." Remember, he talked because, mm-hmm. and, and that's in the assembly. That's extended. He much longer speech um, when he when the at the funeral of Newt and Hicks. And she she thanks him, and he's like, "Lady, you don't want to know me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a murderer and rapist of women." Say thanks for what
2: you said at the. My friends would have appreciated.
3: Yeah, well, you don't want to know me, lady. I'm a murderer and rapist of women. Really? Well, I guess I must make you nervous.
1: Um, And, you know, and, and he's, she's like, well, you know, she appreciates, appreciates that there, he tolerates her and he's you know, I tolerate even the intolerable. So, I mean, it's not even like he likes her. He doesn't like her. You know, you, you kind of want, no, though, Ripley, everyone's going to, you know, Ripley's the best. And no, he, he wants nothing to do with her. And that's the way it should be, you know. And the looks that Ripley gets from the other inmates, I mean, the it's this leering and it's creepy as hell, man. I mean, you, you just get the vibe that she is in a bad, bad place. Yeah, yeah. You know? Another okay so now here's another big difference between the two films is our Chestburster, The Arrival mm. of the Alien. So in your version, what did you say?
0: Well, the dog. The Oh the my dog. gosh, I felt so bad for the dog. Well, I know. Oh. I, and I thought that scene sucked horribly. Um, well, because they brutalized the dog, but it just was so poorly done. You see mm-hmm. the dog laying, you know, on the ground, and he's jerking. But you can, you can freaking tell yeah. that the dog is laying there and somebody's shaking the dog. There's yeah. absolutely no way that you cannot tell that.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and
0: then the um, the little alien bursts out of the dog's chest and runs on all fours. And but I but is thought, it?
1: But but it's actually is it little? It's kind of a big alien little baby. Well, I mean, it's
0: yeah, yeah, it's bigger than the normal. Um,
1: exactly. They called it the Bambi Burster, yeah. and the idea—swear yeah, so <laughs> to God—the idea was that they were going to, you know, every alien movie from the first one, they've tried to improve the—or well, what they consider improving. I, I actually don't, but do, they—they go—they went go from that initial little little slug that Ridley Scott used to remember the one in aliens that we had one chestburster seen in aliens. And that guy had, he had, he had hands and arms you know, and he's like, and he's bigger and he's more developed and he looks more like the traditional alien. Well, this thing pops out of the dog. And it's, it, and it's up on all fours like like Bambi. Like, you know, it's shaking a little bit and then it takes off. But you get the impression it's kind of it's, – it's bigger. Yeah. It almost looks as big as the dog, you know. Well, the reason it looks almost as big as the dog is because initially it wasn't going to be the dog. The dog was, was, was filmed after. Initially it was one of the ox, the oh, giant, yeah. ginormous ox that gets impregnated by the face hugger. But the, we never see it. It's never you never see a face hugger jump on an ox face, but you don't see that with the dog. Mm. But with the dog, you do get the dog's um, handler notice that the dog has scars on his face. Mm. Like you get the idea that the dog had a face hugger on it. I guess is what they were what they imply. With the ox, there's a there's this whole scene of two of the inmates, and again, I'm because they just all look alike. I can't remember which ones it was, <laughs> but they come in with it, with one that they think is dead and they literally bring it into a slaughterhouse room. I mean, mean, talk about making this movie even more bleak and depressing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's lice everywhere, and it's, like, dirty and nasty, and they they hang this ox up by its feet in the slaughterhouse, and they're going to cut it up for dinner at some point. But they walk out, and sure enough, out of this ox in a scene that really visually isn't even – much better than the dog, I mean, but out spills. I mean, literally, it's not, it doesn't burst, it like rips open, the, the ox rips open, and this thing just spills out onto the floor. And and then the footage you saw that of it getting up and running is the same. So that was how it was originally filmed. Um, but then the the producers wanted didn't didn't like it and they wanted the dog and you know why they wanted the dog because people like dogs yeah. yes they used the mm-hmm. they used the Rottweiler so it's a kind of a mean angry dog is the is the you know the 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 misperception of the of of Rottweilers but you know that's why they felt that would generate more sympathy within the audience but instead all it ended up doing was looking lame
0: it did it looked so stupid I yeah. mean. <laughs> You just wanted to. I wanted to shut it off. Yeah. Like, All right. Oh so, well.
1: so now the aliens here. Thank God. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in this movie, you know, it, the alien does show up, you know, relatively in an economical, speedy kind of way. I mean, we didn't have to wait too long for right. him to show up. So then you get the the scene with the guy in the um, air shaft as he's cleaning the air shaft and uh, he stumbles upon the alien lying over on the side there and it, and it spits acid, I guess Adam. did you did you did you catch that, that that's what mm-hmm. happened there?
0: No in the in the theatrical version, it's in the, in a small shaft yeah, and the guy looks down in there.
1: well it, its it's the same between the two films. yeah, yeah.
0: Yep. so uh, I thought
1: did that you know scene was but did cool. you know did you realize what happened? no not really okay yeah that's that's what they it, apparently the alien was able to spit acid at the guy that's why when when they come back and it and and examine the place where the accident happened clemens notices the burn um on the metal you remember he, he's yeah. standing there and he looks down he's like and he puts his hand on it and he's like not sure why but he then confronts ripley and says that when she says what happened and he said an inmate was killed, but I found something interesting next next to the where it happened. There was a burn similar to what was on Newt's cryotube. And and again, on the in my cut, there was a shot of that where Dance noticed the burn on her cryotube. Yeah, so they
0: didn't they didn't really show that in, in okay. the theatrical.
1: Okay. So anyway, that was that was one of those one of those so he, so that's now the alien is 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 out and about. It's running around, and he's that guy obviously doesn't isn't killed by the alien. The first guys, I guess, are oh, there's I guess two of them are out in the tunnels lighting those candles, Mm -hmm. and I think those are the first guys that actually get attacked by the alien. Now, in Finchner's original idea. Golik was gonna, and he does get framed for for their deaths. You remember that they find that they think it's him, and that he's crazy, Um, and they bring him into the infirmary. Um, And this, I guess, this is after now. um, Sigourney has um, found out, has has gotten Bishop. Plugs him back in in the scene that we talked about at the very beginning with the with the with the with Bishop um, telling her what happened. So he gives her he, he gives her the backstory of how the 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 pods were ejected how, and that there was an alien on board with them. Then there's the and then there's that that the rape scene as well, which which was that was pretty intense. Yeah, you know, and that guy they bend her over and he's putting on those glasses and he's like ah. I was like <laughs> whoa man, holy cow. I mean. That was, I thought that was very. And then when when, when Dunn comes in with that pipe mm-hmm. and starts laying into the brothers, <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that was really, I, not a great scene, but just a very impactful scene. I, I was really like, whoa, man, they're they're really going for it here. Um, and just before we get to the to the aliens starting to really take people out here, is is the scene. Where Ripley sleeps with with Clemens, uh, useless scene. <laughs> yes, you know, I, you see, I, I was willing to go with that. you know I, I, when you remember they established that while they're sitting there talking together, and she just basically looks at him and goes, "Do you find me attractive?" And he's like, "You're very direct." and she's like, "I've been out here a long time." and, and I actually felt for her that she you know she has been. Out here, for, I mean, nothing has gone well for this woman since she was put into cryosleep on the Nostromo before they got to LV-426. I mean, literally, she's been—who knows how long this has been going on for her? And she just looks at him and it's like, you know, I've been out here a long time. And He's like, so have I. So as opposed to love, as opposed, to, I just think, I just think she just needed human contact, you know. And so when she said that line and they and they they consummate this, it you know again, it just seemed. It seemed, yeah, I can totally get where, from a character standpoint, where that was coming from, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I could see it as a storytelling device, but it's like, um, and I know you shouldn't inject reality into (laughs) things like this, but it's like, okay, I'm on a alien planet. I'm on an alien planet that's populated by angry nasty men and Mm -hmm. there's an alien running around so let's have sex (laughs) dude i'm not thinking about that i'm thinking about either how to get the heck off of that place or how i'm going to kill this thing
1: well timing wise though i that she didn't she didn't know i i i reversed that she that scene occurs before she just the alien the that, that scene scene occurs right around the time that the first prisoner is killed by falling into the fan yeah. so at least you know you're right I mean at least she wasn't you know totally ignoring the fact that you know and let's face it the, the, her her lover is a is about to meet a horrible man <laughs> and in really a surprise I mean it's almost a shame that Clemens has to die here because he's a great character, yeah, and, I love and, this character and we lose him and as the audience we're like whoa we just lost the one guy that we can actually relate to because you know we're not Relating to you know to Brian to to Andrews the warden or to or to Aaron, uh, Aaron the superintendent you know yes we, we're, we're captivated by the charisma of Dutton but John but Clemens was was kind of like you know the guy that we thought would 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 go through here and Fincher makes a very a, a bold choice but maybe not the right choice and basically takes him out you know they're they're in they're in there and and he tells Rip he he owns up to the fact that he. It was a morphine addict and he got drunk one night after a long a long um, stint in the ER and then got called back as an emergency and all these people died. How
2: about leveling with me? Well, when I asked how you got assigned here, you avoided the question. And then when I asked about the prison ID tattooed on the back of your head, you ducked me again. It's a long, sad story. I'm more than a little melodramatic. Try me. If you insist. After my student years, despite the fact that I had become secretly addicted to morphine, I was considered to be most promising, in the man of the future. And during my first residency, I did a 36-hour stretch on an ER. So, I went out that, I got more than a little drunk. Then I got called back. Boiler had blown on a fuel plant, and there were 30 casualties. And 11 of them died. Not as a result of the accident, but because I prescribed the wrong dosage of painkiller. I got seven years in prison and my license reduced to a 3C. I got off the morphine so, I think I was let off lightly. Did you save your time here? I got to know this motley crew quite well
1: so when they stayed, I stayed. And that's why – so he was – he's one of them. You know, he's, he's a prisoner and – or was a prisoner and decided to stay with these guys. Um, and what are they all doing there anyway? I mean it's, it's really never really explained how it was a prison or it was a foundry and then they decided to shut it down. But all these guys said, no, no, we'll stay, which was – which makes sense. I mean they're they are probably not capable of integrating back into societies because right. they're workers and rapists. So but whatever. But um, – you know, and so, you know, here, here at this very pivotal moment when, as I, I'm fond of saying, you know, shit's about to hit the fan in, in our <laughs> alien movie because the alien is out and it's about to start taking people down. We lose this guy, and, and he turns out to be the first re- victim. That you know, besides the the two that were with Golic, um, and it's just awful. I mean, she, you know, he, the alien, and in, in, in the in the assembly cut, it's you know, Golic is lying there, and he's still covered in blood. You remember how he's lying yeah. there in the bed, and he and he sees the alien coming down, but and it's very cagey the way they film. They show it in the scene with um in the film that, theatrical cut, but in the assembly cut. You see a bed sink down like the springs because the alien's standing on top of it. It had lowered itself down and then it's like it moves behind that curtain mm-hmm. and behind uh behind Dylan, uh, behind Clemens and then grabs him, lifts him up and he gets this he gets the tongue into the head and the ultimate
0: french kiss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean and it's 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 graphic and then and then really I think I'd be curious to see what you think about it. But I do think the scene where the alien runs right up to Ripley and just puts his head right up next to hers and opens that mouth and hisses at her and the teeth come out slowly and go back in and then it takes off was very cool. I, I thought that was good. I did,
0: too. I thought that that's, and, and you know, to, to be totally honest with you, when before I rewatched it. Whenever I thought of this movie, that is the exact scene I remember.
1: Oh, it was in all the ads. I yeah. mean, it oh, was yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. It is. It's 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 the iconic image from this film, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, Ripley carrying Newt with a flamethrower from Aliens, but this was definitely the money shot for this movie, right. without a yeah. I mean, and, and you could, and it looked great. I mean, the alien, the animatronic alien head looked awesome, and yeah. it was yeah, it was very very cool. So she, so she goes running. So, so the alien leaves her and does it. And and then can you remember? I I, I can't remember. When I first saw the movie, if I understood why it didn't kill her, because we we don't know that she's impregnated, although maybe we might suspect because she does seem ill, she doesn't feel so good. Did you did you think initially seeing this movie that that, hey, why did it why didn't it kill her, or that she must have one on she must have one on board?
0: Well, I I think um if I remember correctly, this it's been a quite a while, but oh, yeah. I do remember thinking that something was odd that either uh, she Either that she was carrying one, you know, she was the one that we saw, you know, yeah. the pod for. Yep. Or if maybe the alien sensed some sort of connection because of, you know, she's been around the, the aliens for so long mm-hmm. that maybe it sensed or, you know, scented something on mm-hmm. her. Yeah. So I, I kind of figured there was something other than just, you know... um Being choosy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I mean, yeah, but a cool conceit either way. I mean, however, you know, however we took it back then and I agree, man, I I was just out of college. I don't know what the hell I was doing back then, but whatever. (laughs) I mean, obviously I killed some brain cells in between then and now, but, you know, whatever it was, it was a cool conceit. It made for a neat moment. And then she goes running in to... Uh, damage control, which is, you know, what, uh, what, uh, um, Andrew's calls, you know, a rumor control. this is rumor rumor control, (laughs) you know, and he's bouncing that damn ball of his. And then she's like, it's here. And he was, he's looking at her going like, you know, shut up. And then all of a sudden the alien comes down, grabs him, pulls him up the blood and the ball drop down. And then my absolute, I mean, I swear to God, dude, I laugh my ass off every (laughs) single time I watch this movie. And what's his name? His name um, Morris. Stanley Webb yeah. as Morris. Is, he's down there. He's holding a chair. And he goes, he says the F word. He goes, frack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny because everything's so quiet. And then he's just sitting there standing there looking up. And it's like, frack. <laughs> oh, my God. I laugh every time he says that. Yeah. So anyway, so now the alien's out and about. Ripley, you know, has to, has to you know, and, and, and Dutton. Get everyone together, and they're trying to put um, in the assembly cut. It's an ex- more of extended scene, I think here, where they're trying to put um, Aaron in charge, but he's a moron. Nobody respects him. And 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 then they want, and then Ripley wants Dunn to take over, and he's like, Nah, honey, mm-hmm. I'm I'm you know I'm just you know I'm an inmate here. You're the lieutenant. You know, you, and the, you're you're the one who knows this thing, and you need to to be part of this. So they find out they got no weapons. They've got you know they're 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 in it pretty deep at this point. Um, so a, a big departure now occurs from what you saw and what I saw in that Golic um, is has developed sort of this 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 obsession with the alien there is a brief scene of him lying in his bed talking about the beast and he's 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 obsessed with it he thinks it's like an avenging angel and it, that's not even in the assembly cut very clearly so they come up with a plan to, to trap the alien in a uh, radioactive waste dump that's on the facility so they have an initial scene where and it happens all very quickly in the assembly cut. It's not the it, it the the scene where they're all setting up that that fire and everything to to force it. Mm-hmm. That that that's all part of it. But you know they're they're trying to to drive it into into this into this thing. So, but it, whereas in the movie, one you saw, it's very unclear what are they trying to accomplish here. They're 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 putting all this stuff on the floor that's going to catch light, and um, and then one of them drops the light, the igniter and it goes off too early. Um, but in the assembly cut, they actually catch it. So the, the, alien, the, 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 the alien pops out to escape the flames, and it, there's one of the inmates is standing by the, the, this door of this, this, this storage facility that I can't get out of, and it, he, he yells at it, come on, come on, come on, and the alien chases him. They go, it goes in, they close the door, the alien's trapped. And so it's like, well, the alien, they got him. So what happens is they go, they think it's okay now, and then the company is coming, and Ripley and Aaron have a scene in the superintendent's office where they realize that, you know, wow, why is the company, you know, they're really rushing to get here, and it's this is clearly a big priority for them, and Ripley begins to realize that the company not only wants the alien, but they want her, because now she has figured out that she is impregnated with an alien. So... Now we cut back to this storage facility, and guess who shows up? But Golic, Golic walks down there, and there's one of, one of the other inmates is standing there by the door. Golic cuts his throat, and opens the door and lets the alien out.
0: Yeah, see, that's not, that's not in the.
1: No, I mean it's just, it's this whole it's a whole other you know it's a whole and this is why the Golik character was so much more. Was supposed to be a much bigger part of it, and I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of th- things that weren't seen. So anyway, the so Gulak goes and lets the alien out, and now we move into Act Three, which is going to be Dylan, uh, Dylan's plan. Um, Dylan and Ripley come up with the plan of forcing it into the foundry and ju- and dumping all the lead on it. So, so you know, so so then the films kind of blend in together, and now we're sort of all on the same page. That's the real major thing: is that they had this whole part where the alien does get captured. So. Anyway, they, they get to the – so what did you think about the scenes, uh, the, the, the the chase through the tunnels to get the alien to go into the, the piston thing? I, I thought the chase was
0: – it was okay. Um, kind of went on a little longer than I think it should have. Mm-hmm. But, too many uh, guys
1: down corridors? Yeah,
0: too many guys down corridors, and um, it could have been done a little cleaner, I think. And, oh my gosh, the, dude, this is where the special effects oh. just really, really –
1: they gave him no money. They're oh. yeah, right. They looked
0: terrible. It looked absolutely horrible. And it yeah. looked to me like there was different aliens. I mean, because we see the alien close up that's obviously got the actor in it. And it looks big. Yep. And it looks, you know, menacing. And then we see the one running around in the tunnels. It looked like some kind of freaking, I don't know, ant or yeah. something. Yeah, it no, just it, looks stupid.
1: Yeah. It, it, you, they clearly. Oh, sorry.
0: Oh, that's fine.
1: <laughs> Guys, <laughs> hey. FedEx, FedEx is showing there's, up.
0: There's no burster coming out <laughs> of here, dog is there?
1: Hey, you guys knock it off. I'm trying to record here. No, you're right. It it, it it's clearly the fact that, you know, the hey, chip enough. Sorry. No, it's that's... clearly it's clearly the fact that, you know, that the optical effects guys were, had were working on a shoestring, and it just there. But the one thing they do here that has become part of alien lore is the idea of the alien that can go up on the walls and on the
0: ceiling. Now, that was cool. Did you like that? I did, uh, but the only thing that didn't work for me is that the ceilings didn't look like they were, like, vaulted ceilings. They didn't look but maybe, what, I'd say 10 feet. Yeah, if that, right. And then you've got this you've got this alien who's supposed to be a pretty sizable thing standing, you know, uh, crouching up on the ceiling yeah. and then you've got the uh, the guys, the prisoners running around. Don't you look up? I mean, or don't you have any kind of freaking peripheral vision? You don't yeah. see this thing hanging yeah. on the freaking I could see a cockroach on the ceiling, dude. <laughs> or, a a, or a scorpion. Or a scorpion in Arizona, yeah. Oh yeah, I could spot now, those things a mile away.
1: Yeah. So yeah, no, you're right. It. And um, what was interesting about that effect shot, though, is that they had a Steadicam operator who was running behind the actors to establish the chase, and he started fl- he started flipping the camera over, and Finchner was watching on the monitor. He's just like, "Oh my God, that's awesome!" Yeah, that. And was it good. does make it very dynamic. And what, what I mean, Alien lore, is that if if you've ever played the Alien video games, when you play oh, the yeah. Alien, yeah, you get to you get to go everywhere, you know, yeah. and it's kind of fun that that that, that became kind of a a real staple of the franchise that was a big contribution of alien three in terms of the alien design and 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 the other design aspect of the alien because you know i'm kind of really big on The creature look and why it looks the way it does and behaves the way it does this was definitely more back hearkening more back to the original Alien from Ridley Scott's film and Giger's initial design as opposed to what Cameron did and I think giving the Alien this much dynamic motion and the fact that they can that they look like their host as opposed to they're just always going to look like, a, be like a human, like with arms and legs, that they, that instead of an upright, you know, alien, this was truly a dog, they call it the dog alien, right. because, you know, the, the ox thing, forget it, because this thing looks more like a dog, but it's on all fours, and it runs real fast, and it's a real long tail, it's more like a cat, or it's more like an, you know, a, a four-legged animal, because it gestated in the dog, is the idea, and again, that's an idea that That is in the book. I know it's in those the alien books. I haven't read any of those other comics or stuff, but I know that they they carry on with that idea. And and the scenes the scenes of the the chase it does go on for a long time, but it is visually it's kind of interesting to watch Mm -hmm. when they they go upside down and everything. So they get the alien stuck into the into the chamber. They realize you know it's it's Dylan and Ripley, and she climbs out. He starts climbing out. He realizes the alien's climbing with them and then he goes back down and sacrifices himself. And I like that scene, I like yeah. when he takes, I love him when he takes those glasses off. And, you know, I just got the impression, I'm like, you are a badass mofo, <laughs> my man. You are awesome. I mean, he doesn't, he's, and then when the alien attacks him, you just hear, you know, you don't see that much. that all you got, that
3: all yeah. you got? Dylan? I've got to hold it here. What about me? God will take care of you now, sister. No! Pour the lead.
1: yelling at it he's cursing at it he's slugging at it he's basically that's basically what yafit koto wanted to do back in the original alien movie but really scott wouldn't let him so could you, you
0: imagine yafit's watching this going son of a yeah, that I was t- my
1: t- idea <laughs> he did i'm telling you man he wanted that he wanted that fight so bad but you could
0: see you could see him doing that though i could see Yafet yes. koto's character doing that
1: yes definitely it would not have been out of character at all and i think that i think that Dutton's sacrifice here is, is is it makes perfect sense. I mean, there, you know that he, you know that he's he's willing to do that. And he, oh, man, when he takes those glasses off, I'm I like, know. oh, it's on like Donkey. If I was the alien, I'd run the other way, man. I, mean- I want to <laughs> go up against that guy. He's huge. <laughs> I know. So they pour the they pour the lead and you know and you think the alien's dead and but it's not. So yeah. and so you know here's where the movie just gets very ah, boy, I just it's unsatisfying. Yeah. I mean the lead the lead okay and then it jumps out and it's it looks crappy, the effects are terrible. It's crawling up after Ripley, she grabs the water and douses it and it cracks. Really?
0: Yeah, I know. That's it. <laughs> kind of anticlimactic, you know? Yeah,
1: and then to, to add insult to injury, the Wayland Utini, you know, knuckleheads come marching on in, and uh, they—I mean—and they look like they look like a bunch of rejects from Blade Runner. I mean, there's, <laughs> it's, it's like it's a bunch of Asian ju- dudes with like these mirrored glasses yeah. and like you know, and then you get the bishop character, the actual bishop guy, who you know comes in and uh, tries to convince Ripley to let them keep the alien um, the specimen they'll remove in, you know, and she doesn't buy it. And so, you know, she goes out on that platform and, uh, with, uh, with, oh, and, well, actually we, we did have another sacrifice, but you know, Aaron's death kind of, you know, he hits, he hits, he hits Bishop with a pipe, right. Mm-hmm. And then, then they shoot him. And it's kind of like, Oh, that's too bad. Cause you know, he just wanted to go home to his wife and kids and, right. you know, it's like, Oh, that kind of sucked. But, um, Morse and Ripley are on that platform and he takes her out there so Ripley's standing there. She puts her hands up. Let's, let's bring all of the Christ metaphors and analogy to bear. <laughs> and let's, not, let's beat the audience over the head with a stick. It's the virgin mother about to give birth to her newborn. But in your film, what happened?
0: Well, um, let me back up just a little bit when, uh-huh. uh, when Aaron hits Bishop. Now, see, this is where I got a little bit confused. Because if you, if you look at, I mean, he nailed him hard on the head with a big wrench.
1: Oh my okay. gosh, so funny. Yeah, keep going, keep going. And then saying, as, you're, yeah.
0: as you're watching that, you see Bishop's ear hanging off of his head. Yes. So, so I'm
1: thinking, is he is he an, really android. an android? I know, and you know what's so funny? Is that I saw that too, and I never, ever noticed that until this last viewing. It's so funny you saw that too, because <laughs> I, I have always assumed that that was a guy, that that was the actual man who hmm. made the Bishop android. But... You're right. Aaron whacks him, and in the makeup—it's it, half his head is hanging off. Right. And when he's when he's holding onto the fence, like Ripley, don't do it, don't. And I'm like, hey, why is his ear hanging off? <laughs> you know what? Uh, and, and obviously, that must have been something that Finchner was trying to bring into the story that just never made it. You know, it this is again, this is the story that this is the story of this movie. Are things like that? That even after so many viewings, that you and I see it and like, well, what was that all about? And it's just again a vision completely unfulfilled, and ultimately, you know, maybe a little uns- very unsatisfying. But uh, so anyway, we get to the very end. Yeah, Ripley falls back, and in your version, um, as she's falling back,
0: the 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 alien queen bursts out, and she gives him a big old hug, <laughs> and they fall into the into the uh, hot. Molten lead.
1: Yeah, and, 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 a, and yet another colossally bad optical effect.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh my
1: gosh! Yeah, I in, mean, I
0: didn't even ugh. in
1: the assembly cut, no chestburster. Really, nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. And I, I just, I, I, I think that's the way Fincher wanted it to end. I think. I mean, or, or at least these people seem to think so. That you know, I mean, how do we, how do we feel about the chest... Like the the burster comes out of Ripley. It's the queen, but and she, you're right. She, and she holds it, and it's almost. It's almost lovingly, you yeah. know, I mean, she, she literally is hugging it to her chest because it, it's her baby, you know. And so we're, we're, we're going off into a, all these different, you know, ideas and concepts here with, with, with how they're trying to end this movie. Did it seem like they were just trying too hard at that point? I think so. I, yeah. I
0: really do. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't know if I would have liked it any better with the assembly cut. No, nope. um,
1: I, I found it very like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean you're right. It, it didn't. It didn't work either. I, I and I. I wish. And again, the the ending of this movie was such a huge point of contention. And they. It seems like everybody got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Everybody got. And no one knew where to go with with this ending. You know, and nobody knew how to how to make how to bring this story into some sort of coherent you know ending. So what we, what, what we're left with is, like I said, in my mind, is very a very much an unrealized vision of what this what that was happening here but moments uh, moments that are perfect for the genre and for the franchise there there are moments that i think the the, the film has a decent amount of tension mm-hmm. i think it i think it has a look that is again very very nihilistic, very you know, very just dy- dystopian, very tough, very tough to watch. You know, you just you're 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 you're, re- you're repelled by everything, but it's very beautifully done, and 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 it's you could see the care that went into that, and you see you see some very small moments like the moments between Clements and Ripley, um, even if they fall flat, like like the scene where he, where they where she propositions him, or the or but I found the scene where he talks about. How why he's a prisoner to be very compelling you know i I love that uh, scene uh uh-huh um and then and then the scene a scene we didn't talk about that's in both cuts is the scene where ripley wants um Dutton to kill her you know Mm -hmm. she she puts her hands up on it and he swings that axe and hits the bars above her head and he goes not yet and then she says to him well once we kill once we kill the alien will you do it and he was like he's like you bet you know quick and painless i mean it's just it's powerful stuff yeah. and there so again, there are these moments where this movie just can really hit some high notes, but there's no cohesion to it there's It no just follow through yeah yeah there's just it just never delivers on the, on on a on a linear story that we can follow as an audience and get truly invested in the characters are under are not developed well enough for us to get to know them but you can I mean at least I kind of got the impression that there's a lot here. But I'm not getting it. I'm not getting this, go- this Golic guy. He's he's speaking in like in verse, uh, lying on that bed covered in blood. I mean, the image and everything about it is so compelling. And yet, I don't understand why he's doing that because I don't know him. And I don't recognize him from those other guys, um, you know, and – and then, of course, at the end, Morris gets the, the last word when he, when he stops and he looks around. And then the, the soldier hits him and and, he, and he's like, you know, F off or something to the guy. <laughs> yeah. Another moment where I, where I laugh. But, uh, yeah, and that's it. That is Alien 3.
0: Is you know, there was, there was a few th- questions that I had. You know, maybe huh? you can help me. Um, when uh, Ripley wants the autopsy done, yep. you can understand why, but— why didn't she ask for just a, a scan? Why was it necessary for him to rip open that kid's body? Right. Why couldn't they scan? Now I understand. You know, they didn't have the technology on board the, or, or at the facility. Mm-hmm. But then you know, we could have established two things right there. We could have established they don't have the technology. And then she could have taken Newt, you know, the body, to the pod right. like she did, scanning her body. So we could have already set up, you know, the fact that there is a scanner on board that pod, so that when she went to use it, we already knew about it. We were f-
1: familiar with it. Yep, you're absolutely right. And what's what's so funny that you you mentioned that is that I I don't rem- I've I've read so much about this movie over the past like two weeks that it's like all blurring together. But there was there was a point in one of the screenplays, drafts, scripts. Not, I don't think it was shot, but that Ripley did take Newt into the Sulaco's um, escape EVV or whatever and, and scan her. And that's how she knew, but apparently they changed it to this autopsy scene. And they, like I said earlier, they spent a lot of, of money and time to make an incredibly graphic autopsy scene that, that was cut. So I guess, and that's Finchner. So Finchner clearly he wanted, he wanted Ripley to have to, to have to basically savage her, Found daughter's body. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's it, 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 it's twisted stuff, man. It's not, it, you know, she's she feels like this is the only way, and so I guess we have to accept that there was no better technology that which we know they have because Ripley then goes scans herself later and finds out that she's carrying the Queen with Aaron. But uh, yeah, you're right. That was. Uh, that's it, it it's it is a, it, it was intentional, I guess is what I'm saying. You're 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 right. They intentionally wanted us to have to go through that scene. And be uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's right.
0: That. Yeah. And then the other thing is uh, at the beginning of the film, you know, Ripley's I think it's her left eye is just totally foobard.
1: Yeah, bloodshot All and red bloodshot red yeah. and,
0: and stuff like that. And then she's that way at the funeral. But then the next scene after the funeral, when she gets all cleaned up, her eye is completely healed. Yeah. Now, are we supposed to realize that this is like a couple of days later or is this immediately after? And if it is immediately after, how the heck does she heal her eye so fast?
1: Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely not a lot of clarity as to how much time is transpiring. Um, my impression is that this all happens over a relatively short period of time of just a couple of days. Um, but you're right. I mean, an injury like that of broken blood vessels in the eye, I don't know how long that that would take to abate. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That's it is a, that's that, that and that could just be a that that could just be continuity and or mm-hmm. the fact that they there was more that there was going to happen and they would progressively get the eye better, but they never got shot. Yeah, you
0: know. yeah. Again, another missed opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which, which again is, is kind of how I feel about this movie. Having said that, though, it is still a movie that I, that if I'm cruising through and flicking channels and it's on, I stop and I'm, you know, and I can get drawn into it and, I really, really enjoy the inmates. I enjoy their banter. I enjoy their their bad attitudes and I in their accents. And I kind of I, I do get into that um, part of it. I like I like the superintendent and Aaron's relationship and uh, his relationship with with uh, with Clemens that we didn't even talk about. That was that was a great scene between the two of them where he's yeah. like, "No, you're F. You know, I mean, it's just well, no, he said it to Ripley, but I mean, it's just it, there's some really. Good moments that just don't come together in, in a cohesive whole, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And uh, like I said, when we finished *Aliens*, you know, I I just I you know I know I'm I, I won't change anyone's mind. I know you know Chris was, uh, was willing to give the film another shot, and uh, you know, I, and Chris, all I can say is this: if you go back watch, and he I think he did watch assembly cut recently, and uh, and I think you know it's all the criticisms from you know from you know people like you and I who are, who really love this genre and love this particular franchise. I mean. I think we can all maybe find a little bit of something to take away from this movie that that did work, um, in, even if in, in its totality, you know, at the end of the day, it's not it's not going to be our favorites. Is there? Well, let me ask you this: What about the movie? Did you like? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like the basic. Let me let me preface what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like I what? I,
0: I like the basic the basic setup. Okay, yeah. I like I like the idea of the movie I I thought it had had, and we've discussed this already so I won't (laughs) bore everybody but um, I thought it had a lot of potential I liked the basic concept of this movie I think it could have been something spectacular Mm -hmm. Um, but by the same token because they didn't follow through with it there was no continuity they just did not have that cohesiveness that they could have had that's why this movie is a dismal failure for me
2: yeah
1: I, I totally understand yeah i totally understand i mean you know I, I don't i don't feel that i'm an apologist for it because i because i totally appreciate what you're saying and i and i acknowledge all of those faults um um you know and then for me i guess i can i can just get to some a place where i can sort of groove along with what <laughs> what they were trying to accomplish here and maybe get some get some enjoyment out of it and still you know still and so and i do consider it a worthy you know, when when now that we look at these films in their totality, and including um, Alien, uh, Alien Resurrection, and now soon to be for you for Prometheus. I mean, we're we the, the lexicon in our, our world here has got is getting bigger has gotten bigger recently. Um, and I'll be very 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 curious. I mean, you and I both know Alien Resurrection was a complete disaster. I mean, there's, <laughs> that's going to be a great one for you and I to do at some point yeah. down because it's because i have nothing good to say about that movie. So i mean, yeah, i'm we're going to rip on that one for a while because it that that was truly truly horrible. Um, but you know, it would be very interesting to see how you feel uh, how Prometheus comes into your fandom on on this franchise and how it, you know, maybe gives you a different perspective on it. Certainly, i can be quite honest that it's been 24 hours since i saw the movie and i i've already my alien world has gotten so much bigger, you know, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's remarkable. All the different things I've been thinking about since seeing it and, 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 and makes Finchner's, contribution here in alien three you know maybe even that much more enjoyable for me anyway it really because i i look at the first three movies and and now prometheus as being my alien world and now i'm trying to put it all together you know and it's 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 a lot of fun it's good it's gonna it's a good time good time to be an alien fan my friend
0: (laughs) good (laughs) now let me ask you a question uh you know my wife does not she's not big into this into this um Franchise or yes. really genre? Is this something that she may enjoy? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I need would, to take her to me, the coach let, store first,
0: right? Yeah. Let,
1: <laughs> let me put it this way. I mean, I I say that not because the movie doesn't deliver on, you know, on a story and and on on actors who are fun to watch and stuff like that. It, it, it certainly does. But the, there are there are some very graphic things <laughs> that happen. It, it, it's it's and it's kind of gross. So. If gross if Joyce if Joyce if she doesn't like gross stuff, then she may have a problem with this. Because of 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 the three films that you and I have now discussed, Alien Aliens and Alien Three, and with my viewing of Prometheus, I can tell you right now that Prometheus certainly is the most graphic wow. in terms of just gross stuff. Not necessarily people people, you know, exploding gross, but just a lot of, there's a lot of gross stuff and she may get a little skeet, she may be a little skeeved by that. Yeah,
0: You know, Rick Moyer went to go see uh, Prometheus the yes, other day I read too. It. Yep, I and, read uh, his little comments. He told me, uh, he sent me a text message and said, you, you'd be proud of me because uh, there was, he said there was a lot of, uh, gross gory yep. scenes in it and he said yep. that he actually watched them <laughs>
1: <laughs> well cuz they're they're interesting and they're part of the story and you 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 definitely don't want to turn turn away but it, it yeah. is it is definitely the harder of of all of these films, um, in terms of the not in terms of the, just a violence necessarily, which is it's not violence, it's it's just that there is some some gross stuff that I, I don't I don't I'm not sure if she'll be so, but she can she can look away. And there and there visually, I mean, it's stunning. I mean, it's just, it's a work of art. Oh yeah, I mean,
0: from what I've seen, uh, yeah. it does just look very. <laughs> Panoramic is the only word I can think of.
1: Yeah, it's spectacular. I saw it in 2D. Uh, I'm going to see it again. I'm going to see it again this week in 3D with with some other friends, and uh, I'm looking forward to that because you could I could see where the 3D just in the background or it, it, that it could be really really cool, and I don't mind ponying up the extra dough because I don't go to movies very often. Yeah, and for me, for me, you know, uh, I I will spoil this about my reaction this was i was hoping this was going to be the movie for the summer for me and it is in a big way you know i i i liked avengers but this is my this is my movie this year and I'm, I'm not surprised and i'm glad that i can say that with 100 percent confidence uh that this was definitely the movie for me and uh i loved it i really did i loved it and i but it's not perfect but i look forward to talking about it more
0: cool yeah we'll have to do that we'll have to do that
1: oh yes oh yes
0: yeah. my friend so all in all um alien yeah, 3, three. <laughs> on a scale of one two let's say one to five what would you give alien three
1: i'm willing to give alien three a three and a half. Really? Yeah, I'll give it a three and a half. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and because again I, I, I when this came on on cable I used to watch it all the time you know and I, I never felt a lot of animosity towards it whereas when the internet blossomed and pe- fans were online talking about movies I realized how much people hated this movie. Yeah. It's like oh wow really <laughs> did it suck that bad and i'm just don't even know what i'm talking about <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe you killed more brain cells than you thought you did <laughs> yeah
1: well that's like i was saying anyway <laughs> that's a different podcast but uh what would you rate it
0: um honestly i'd say a 1.75 yeah
1: and I, I i totally i i get it i respect it i'm glad you and i had a chance to have our have our say about it because uh I think there are a lot of people that, that agree with you and uh, probably not as many that agree with me, but maybe, <laughs> maybe more people that are a little bit more down the middle and just are like, well, you know, it, it, that's the beauty of Alien Resurrection. It made Alien 3 look a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we will, we will be back mm-hmm. with Prometheus, wow, uh, give man. Al a chance to see it, uh, give me a chance to see it a few more times. Let our... Wonderful listening audience of Trex and sci-fi have ample, ample opportunity to have it. We have a thread going on in the forum where we are utilizing these spoiler tags to not give anything away, and we will continue to do so. Um, and I have, I'm have, i not going to put out anything, um, Al, when you see it. Don't put anything on the forum. Oh, no. Let's, no. let's definitely save it for a conversation, and uh, that will be The Alan and Brian Show Rides Again. That sounds good to me. All right, buddy. Well, listen, great to talk to you, as always, about this movie and just a chance to, to really geek out. And uh, thank you, Rico, once again, as always, for letting us and giving us this opportunity to uh, take the calm and uh, provide everyone with a little entertainment for an hour and a half. And uh, look forward to talking to you all again real soon. Yeah,
3: well, you don't want to know me, lady. I'm a murderer and rapist of women.
0: on September 22, 2004, Oceanic Flight 815 left Sydney, Australia, bound for Los Angeles and crashed on a remote and mysterious island somewhere in the South Pacific. The survivors quickly realized this was no ordinary island.
3: The groundbreaking Emmy Award-winning drama, Lost, ran on ABC television from September 22, 2004 to May 23rd, 2010, and remains to this day one of the greatest television series of all time. Relive every moment of this amazing series as we reopen the hatch and take you deep inside each episode of this epic series. My name is Joyce.
0: And I'm Al, and on our show, Lost Flight 815, we'll cover each episode of this immensely popular series in a unique way. We'll watch the show as we record and share our thoughts and lost facts while you listen to the episode with us.
3: So tune in to the Lost 815 podcast and visit us on the web at www.lostflight815.com and relive one of the greatest shows of all
0: time. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lost Flight 815.